Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Have you ever known a family or people that like would find any excuse to party? Like, well, we must celebrate. I guess we got to celebrate. It's, you know, it's, it's the third Thursday in the month. It's a special day, you know. My, my oldest daughter is that way. It's just like, well, what are we going to do for the special treat? It's a special occasion. Like, it's always a special occasion. I'm like, girl, we call her the sunshine baby. Uh, we, well, we call her the sunshine girl now. She's like, I'm not a baby. So we have to call her sunshine girl. But, yeah, I hear another sunshine baby in here. Um, but, yeah, she's like that. She's, you know, but, I, you know, I think she gets that from her dad, you know. And not, not me, her dad, but her true, the father of lights, you know. He seemed to, when you, when you start to study and read the Bible, even the Old Testament, people see this dark version of God, this almost genocidal, which once you really do some, some real studying and real work and you see the way the Bible's written and you see even the, the wars of the Old Testament, what they really were and what they really were not, and you see the goodness and kindness of God, um, you start to see the thing differently, but one of the things you see in him is, is he, he likes to party. He, he likes, like there's, there's these festivals and get-togethers and parties and all these things. Oh, it's, it became this big requirement that it was never meant to be, but it was like parties, dude. It was feasts. You know, it was, it was on a constant basis and family was huge to him and is and still is. I've realized that Every decision that I've made, because I'm, I'm pretty, uh, you know, kind of hardcore. I'm all about this life. And, and it's, not, it's not an act, dude. It's not an act when I'm on the mic. Like, I am that guy. I'm him. But the reality that I've come to is that God, um, he honors every decision that I've made that benefits the family. He's blessed. And above and beyond my, my even comprehension. When it's like, no, it's... It, it doesn't matter if it fits in good for the family. It's, it's about kingdom. It's about following this route. But when I've come out of that mindset of just being so, so hardcore about things, when it's like, no, it's about bringing the whole family into wholeness and, 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 and creating the space for them as well. Everything that I've done, it's been like rewiring in my brain the past several years. Every decision that I've made that's benefited family has actually been honored by the Lord. And I realized that he is the father of lights in whom all of the families of the earth derive their name, as the scripture uh, says. And his pleasure and his joy in this, in this union that he has, that the son and father and spirit had before time and space, he's actually brought us into that fellowship and into that relationship, into that family reality. And that's a lot of what heaven on earth is supposed to look like, an actual family, you know. And we, you know, we hear those scriptures like they'll know you by your love for one another. But that's what that's this recognize this this distinction or recognition that the world will have. Um, it'll be like, wow, they love each other like family. They might be different ethnicities or, or, or genealogies or whatever. But it's but there's like family love there. There's like a real brother, sister, mom pop vibe about these people that they're down for one another and they love one another and, and the love covers the multitude of sins and, and it can get messy at times but at the same time there's love there so there's room for it to be messy and vulnerable and so it's just this interesting um this interesting um paradigm shift maybe in my own mind over the past three four years of what of what heaven and kingdom the manifestation of that reality looks like um but we have so much family that's gone before us in this life that's actually rooting for us. And um, it's real. It's very real and it's very true. Um, but even coming into the end of the year, sometimes I like to reflect, and even on the microphone for our family, our church, our body, and the ones that listen to this, I think it's really good to do a reflection of the year and to review the resume of God in your life. Because, you know, David, even when he, when he would get into sketchy situations in the Bible, you know, people wanted to kill him at times, even some of his own people, King David. 
he would go and he would strengthen himself in the Lord. It's almost like he would go and he would look at God's resume in his life and how God had always come through for him. And it would strengthen his heart. And when he would have that encouragement come to him, then he would have the divine strategy to go and make moves. And um, that's not what the message is going to be about today. We could do that. But it's like this, this encouragement of looking back sometimes over a year, reflecting. It's the last day of the year. What better way to spend the final day of the year than in the Lord's house with his people and worshiping him, you know, and connecting to him. But it's like, um, you know, this, I like to a lot of times kind of review the year, review where I've come from, gone, what the things the Lord's added to me, the things that I've learned, the things that I may be still learning. Maybe I'm in the process of them. And sometimes when you take time to be in the moment and reflect on what God is doing, not what is not happening, but what is happening, it puts you just like it puts King David into a place of thanksgiving, and that's where the head is lifted up. That's, that's where, you know, Psalm 100, verse 4 talks about, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with, with praise. These aren't just poems that were written for us to read and recite as a club. They are actually divinely inspired words that talk about literal portals you can step in and out of into the other realm. And one of those is the, port, the, the gateway of thanksgiving. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. It causes us to have a different mindset and view of things. You know, it's not some weird, you know, new age thing or whatever like this. All of that's been hijacked off of our book and off of our lineage, this Christian walk. Um, but it's, it's like this way that we have to be able to see and even to be able to foresee what the Lord is bringing us into. And so I like to do that. But one question that I would even ask we do questions at the end a lot of times. One question that I would ask is, is um, what is it that we are living for? You know what I mean? Um, even in this year, even moving forward, what is it we want to be living for? It's like, what is it that we are, 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 are moving forward in and what's motivating us? You know what I mean? What's our motive? Because in this life, the motive matters. The Apostle Paul wrote, it is the love of Christ that compels us. You know, he said, even the word controls, the love of Christ controls us. It compels us. We know that 1 Corinthians 12 says that, or 13 says that love does not seek its own. And so love doesn't control per se because it doesn't seek its own. It actually looks out for the best of the other. So, but this love that controls us or compels us, are we being motivated by the love of God to please God and actually, and to love other people? Because when we find ourselves there, we're on that ancient path. That is the pathway of the Lord. And um, I was just thinking that, even just sitting during worship, just those, those questions like, when you look back at your life, are you, being, are you being driven or are you being led? You feel me? It's like there's, there's a difference because motives matter. And it's like, man, there's so many people that are living to please others before they're living to please the Lord. Or living... To, they're out to prove something. You know what I'm saying? We're out to prove that I'm, I'm going to show my dad that I'm not a loser. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my college professor I'm not a white trash idiot like he thought I was. Or what, you know, what, we could have a chip on our shoulder that's driving us in our life. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show him I'm not, you know, that, you know what I'm saying? And like, oh, yeah, you know, waking up, you know, David Goggins driven and angry and trying to, you know what I'm saying? Or... Is our priority seeking first the kingdom, the Matthew 6, 33, the Luke 12, 31? Is it to actually be found in the Lord, conformed to his image and pleasing him above all things? You know what I'm saying? Is it to be a life lived in secret relationship between him that actually the outflow or the overflow of that life impacts the world around us? Because that's the sweet spot. It's not being living our life to prove something or to be seen or to make a name for ourselves. I mean, that's what selfish ambition is. James 3 says where there's selfish ambition, that type of motive releases confusion and all kinds of evil into your life. It's just like the Tower of Babel, right? In Genesis uh, 10 and 11, where we're talking about this story about this tower, they were like, let's build this, basically what was a stargate, a portal into the heavenly realm. <laughs> you know what I mean? This tower, this ziggurat really is what it is. Um, and that, that we can enter into this thing and make a name for ourselves. And you see the motive there. It was selfish ambition, to, a name for ourselves, a distinction. But the result in that tower was confusion, right? Babel literally means confusion, Babylon. 
And it's like, um, the reality was all the languages of the world come through from that tower, right? You guys remember that story. It's an old Bible story, but it's like all the, all these different languages were divided over the entire world from that story in our Bible. And it's like this, there, we have this parallel that, that which we build in our own strength, that which we're driven to prove something and to try to be somebody, uh, instead of being led of the Lord and walking in that purity, right? Um, that we do in our own strength, that we force results in confusion, you know. But there's something when we're living to please the Lord, we're actually settled into our own true identity of abiding in Him because we're seeing Him as He truly is. I mean, that, that is the sweet spot. If I have anything, you know, I love, I like um, getting a message or a scripture for the year. You know what I'm saying? I think that's really cool, even what Steve said. Like, I think that's really good. Um, but I believe the prophecy the prophecy, and I, I definitely just because it's, it's, you know, I've seen it the way I've seen it, but that I think reigns over every other prophecy. What's the Lord saying? What the Lord is saying is what John the Baptist said in the very first place. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. That's it. That's the prophecy right there. That's the one. Nothing can touch it. Nothing can trump it. You know what I'm saying? Behold Him. In other words, see Him as He is, recognize Him, and understand what He's done. He's taken away the sin from the world. And it's just like, what? It's like the goal of all scriptural study, the goal of our life, of our relationship to him is to, 2 Corinthians 3.18, see him as he is without a veil over our face. The veil represents seeing somebody through a filter. It means that you can see him like a wedding veil, but you can't fully see him. It's a little blurry, you know. And that 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about about coming to the Lord Jesus. When you see Him as He is, you see God as He is, and those veils are taken away. And it says, when you see Him without a veil, you're transformed into the same image from glory to glory, right? That's our, We love that verse here. But it's like, that's that John the Baptist prophecy. It's like, behold the Lamb. It's like, see Him as He truly is, and it will change who you are into who you really are, you know? And I think that's one of those things, even with that question, of like, what are we living for? What is our motive? What is driving us? Is there something driving me? Or can I set back into a place of rest, of being in relationship with Him? And that propels me. It leads me forward. Instead of driving to prove something or to be something, you know. Hebrews 12 talks about it. You know, I consider like how, how easy it is for us as just humans and regular people to be out to prove people that aren't even watching us, really. You know what I mean? To care what people think. And Hebrews 12, 1 is, I've always loved that verse. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In other words, he won the game. He won this thing. When we see him as he truly is, we step into the author and finisher of this faith. We step into the faith. But I love that first verse. It's like, since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us weigh aside every sin and the weights that easily ensnare us. And it's, I think that's brilliant. It's like, it's like, what did you say? You know what I mean? We're surrounded, and it's talking about all these different heroes, all these people that have gone before us, before us in the faith in Hebrews 11. It's like, yeah, we're actually surrounded by the eternal realm by the heavenly realm of people that have gone before us that can actually see us now and, and, and are with us and are for us in this life. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up about the audience that's in our head from all of our experiences, from all the negative stuff that we've encountered, from maybe the football coach that was rough around us or the stepmom or dad that mistreated us or left us out or this the rejection from this teacher or that, that sports team or what, you know, whatever it was, these, all these other experiences can shape our identity. And the Bible saying, hey, come to know Jesus. Take the veils off your face so that you see him as he is. Don't see him through the filter of all those other experiences and you'll start to reflect the same image because you've been created in the same image. You're created, human beings were created as the imagers of God. Michael Heiser used to, he coined that term and I absolutely love it. I'll always use it now. But it's like, we're human beings are in the image of God, but that's what we are. It's what we do. We are the imagers of God on this planet. 
And we're called to release the likeness and the nature of God over this world. And all of the world is groaning and longing for that release to happen from the sons of God, it says in Romans 8. And we have but to see him as he is. John the Baptist, behold the lamb who takes away the sin. Stop working to outdo yourself. Recognize what he's done. Recognize who he is and be who you truly are. And it will unlock the whole game. It will unlock the whole matrix. And that's what the Bible's talking to us about. And it says, hey, don't live your life to please other people. As a matter of fact, understand that you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that have actually gone before you that are on your team, that are cheering for you, that when you're making decisions that don't seem conventional because you're choosing to follow the Lord's voice, and maybe you have a bunch of voices in your life that make you feel like, well, that's unwise, or that's, yeah, that's a loser move, or, you know... You have other people that have gone before you that are like, no, do it, buddy. Listen to him. Put all your money on God. Put all, your, put all your chips on the Lord Jesus and follow him no matter what. Don't worry about burning a bridge. Don't leave, don't leave a, second, a second stream just in case you want to jump off this game. Follow him wholeheartedly because we've all done it. Amen. Yeah. And there's this cloud of witnesses that are around us. And it says... Consider that we're surrounded by them and, and lay aside every weight and every sin that easily ensnares people. In other words, understand that nothing you really do is in secret anyways. There's people watching. That's weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, whoa. Uh, it's like there's people that can see you, but they're for you. They're your family. And see, this is real to me. One, because it's the word of the Lord. And two, because I've had experience, I've, ha I've had the privilege to interact with a cloud of witnesses on s multiple occasions, several occasions. Well, two occasions. Um, but it was very real. It was very, very real. And it solidified this before anybody could teach it in a crooked way to tell me it didn't happen to this day and age. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's one of those things that it's like, hey, we have the opportunity to live something for, for something so much more real that's eternal. You know? And there's so many more for us than there actually is against us, you know, that are hoping and longing for us to step in. It's like the Bible says they, the ones that have gone before us, they won't even be made complete without, with our, without our peace. Like we're all on the same team living this walk of, of, of humanity, you know, and these, these kingdom purposes that he's, that he's given to us, you know, it's interesting. And it comes down to the way we see and it comes down to the way we think, you know, it's like, I like 2 Corinthians 10, when we think about looking back and taking an assessment of the year, but also in moving forward with vision, I love uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5, it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of the flesh, they're not, you know, guns or knives or whatever else, swords, whatever, what are you like, nunchucks, um, um, you know, whatever, uh, but they're not carnal, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Yeah. And then it says, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, that's a, that's a beautiful sentiment. And here he is, the Apostle Paul, who's talked about this glory to glory, talked about removing these veils, and now he's articulating them as strongholds. These veils or these misconceptions, these wrong ways we've thought and viewed God have become these wrong beliefs that we can have in our minds that are fortified in our brains like strongholds. And he's talking about the renewal of the spirit walk, of this, the mind of the spirit, of seeing Jesus as he is, recognizing what he's done for, for us and is doing in us, Stepping into that eternal cosmic relationship of father and son, which we are all in now, you know, even, the, even if you don't believe you're in it, which that's weird and controversial. It's very controversial, but it's real. And it's like, you don't even have to believe it to be there. It is available for you and it is, it is calling to you. It is calling to you in your most innermost being. It's like we've been included in this God who we've thought was bipolar and was evil and was, it was crazy genocidal and, and has a good cop, bad cop. And then Jesus has come and revealed who God is. And not only that, 
we've gone inside of this relationship to where God introduced us by looking down at Jesus in this baptism by John, right? We're beholding this as John told us to. And he's saying, this is my beloved son, right? John, dreadlock John, Jesus' cousin, you know, baptize him in the Jordan River. There's a dove, it's God. There's God's voice, it's God. There's a son, it's God. It's like you go, you know, your mind's kind of trying to warp around all this stuff. But the communication of father, which you're inside of this communication now, you're inside of the son. And we're before the foundations of the word of the earth, if you read Ephesians 1. But it's like, here you are, and, and God's articulation to the, to the Son is, this is my beloved. It's like, that's not the way the God of the Old Testament talks. They're confused. Like, that's not how He is. He's scary. And it's like, no, you've had Him wrong. This is how He is. And then Jesus, His manifestation of that relationship is very similar. He's calling God Abba. And we're like, what? You don't talk to him like that. He's scary, you know? And he's like, no, one, no one's known the Father except for the Son, and who the Son wills to reveal. The, that's what Jesus says. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the only one that actually really knows him, and call him Abba. Like a very endearing term. Not, don't call him Dad or Father. You know what I mean? Don't talk like a British person. No, wait, no, that's not the point. Don't, don't you know, we don't have to call him this patriarchal like oh you know bow down oh you know what i'm saying it's just like there there's reverence but it's like he's like call him abba and you're like huh well how do we pray you say father who art in heaven hallowed be your name and it's just like what we call him father like what is this dude what is this relationship you know yeah and then we see that john i I, from our christmas service you know last week um of just this reality, what, what Jesus said. In that day, he says, you will know. John 14, verse 20. At that day you will know that I am my Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. It's just like this Father to Son, this Son to Father, you are inside of that same relationship and you are included and connected in us. You know, you are included in this family and it's real. And it's not charismania and, 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 and playing pretend. Like God actually still speaks every way He spoke throughout the entire Scriptures. And you are being called into that same relational connection with Him. You know, those verses that we say so, so many a times, you know, that, especially in Jeremiah 31, it's like, you won't have to tell somebody to know God. They will all know me. In other words, the job of true ministry is not like, this is what God says, I'm the go-between. It is teaching people like, no, God speaks and you can actually know Him too. And that's what Christianity is. It's like you can communicate with Him. Do it privately. Do it personally. Even throw some fleeces out, which means give it some tests and see what happens to you because He will talk back to you. And it might rattle you, but it's the best rattling you can have. You know what I mean? It really is. And it will transform you from who you thought you were into who you truly are because you'll know the one in whose image you were created in. And you'll start to reflect your true family, your true lineage, instead of the lineages of whatever, of the experiences of your life or of your upbringing or of the way your uncle raised you or your mom or your dad or step this and that, da, da. you won't, like we've been programmed really in a foster care unit home (laughs) that wasn't our true lineage. And we've taken on a lot of its traits. And God wants us to take on His traits. That doesn't mean we haven't had some good traits from our parents and from our grandparents or whoever raised you, you know what I'm saying? The good that we did have from them comes from Him. You know what I mean? But there's a reason Jesus said, call no man on earth your father. And it's like, but he also said, honor your father and your mother, it'll go well to you. It's like, well, which one is it? It's like, no, you honor your parents and the good which comes from God through them. Like, man, that's, you bless that. But if you trace something from your family that's outside of the lineage of Jesus, outside of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, you don't have to own those things. Well, he's angry like his grandfather. People used to call me Ed, Ed, which is my middle name, Edward. How nerdy is that? It's not. It's cool. Somebody didn't hear name Edward. I'm sorry. For the, it is. I, don't, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, it's mine too, so I can't even hate. You know, uh, shouldn't have said that. But uh, so Edward, it, yeah. But people, he's Ed because my grandfather was angry. You know, 
And it's like, so have, have I inherited that lineage to have an anger problem? Well, maybe I did. But was that God's intention for me? No, it was not. So does that mean I can disinherit that inheritance that I learned? Yes, it does. Call no man. Don't trace any of your lineage to your... Don't taste anything to anything to anybody that isn't your true father. Now, there's great traits that my parents did have. Kindness and humility and certain, certain different aspects of my parents that I hope that I did inherit from them. You know what I'm saying? But I inherited that they were in line with our true father. And can you imagine us as Christians? Can you imagine us as parents coming into such alignment with our true heavenly father that we raise our kids according to their true inheritance? How about that? Is that inspiring? It is to a parent. Yeah, because you're like, yes, I want that for my kids. I don't want them raised with anxiety. I don't want them raised with fear because they inherit that stuff, man. They do. I don't want them to be OCD because that's the way I'm driven by anxiety. I don't want, you know, it's like we, we have the ability to cut the head off of that inheritance and remove ourselves from it if we will take ownership and align ourselves in Jesus. That's why when we talk about this kind of stuff, this year in review, there's nothing more important than walking with Jesus in the inheritance of, of stepping into the, the issues of the heart, dealing with them. When we look at the review, what's the Lord doing with me? Hey, has there been buttons that have been pushed in my heart this year? Has he been bringing me through stuff? Am I, have I, you know what I'm saying? What am I growing in? What is the shepherd leading me? Because I promise you that he is leading you. Some people will, oh, Lord, hadn't talked to me. It's just like, well, if that's the case and you're in, you're in Christianity because this is the relationship of communication and connection, you either have an opportunity to actually talk to him, write it down too, by the way, because he'll talk back in the strangest ways and sometimes straight up, but it might not be. But it's like, connect to him, but it's, but it's also, it's, it's one of those things where like, have you followed through on what he did show you last? Because if you haven't, then yeah, there's a reason you're not hearing much. Gotta, we got to follow through. We got to eat all the food that's on the plate. You feel me? And so hopefully that works, but, or, or that's understood. It makes perfect sense to me, but I'm saying it's, you know, so, um, but it's one of those things. A lot of times the testings or the things that he's given us, the things that he's calling us to learn, there can be more onto the plate that until it becomes fully a part of us and we've lived it, boom, we don't get, you know, that communion or that connection or the direction that we're searching for. It doesn't actually line up for us yet. Follow-through is so very important in this deal. You know, and understand, like, hey, everything that I've inherited actually is not from him. You know, people talk about uh, Romans 7 a lot. You ever read that book? I mean, it's kind of strange, but it's, it's the way he's writing it's kind of uh, poetic. It's the Apostle Paul. Is like, I, I, it's for what I'm doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, it's not what I practice. It's, it's what I, I don't practice. It's what I hate and... If I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good, but now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And he's like, he's, he's articulating this war of the carnal man and the spirit man living in one body, like this transformational walk of walking with Jesus. And he's saying like, I know the right way to do this thing, but I'm realizing that in my own mind or in my own flesh or in my own body, there's like this tendency to go the other way. And he's not being condemned about it. He's saying, if I realize this, I, I realize it's, it's, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. You know, Romans 7.20. It's like, I know the good that I want to do. I know how I want to do right. I know how I want to live, but I'm still so triggered in my flesh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I still like, ah, but I, uh, you know, I feel this tendency. But what he's saying, I recognize that it's no longer me who do it, but it's sin that actually dwells in me. This is the old nature. I've inherited this from the fall. It's not of Jesus. And he goes and he's like, oh, I'm so wretched. You know, I'm, I'm, who, you know, who can ever deliver, deliver me from this body of death? And it's really just poetic the way he's writing it. Because in the very next verse, when he steps into Romans 8, which is, it's really all one letter. It's just been broken up into numbers so that we can read it. He says, there is no, therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ who don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. And he goes on and he talks about the sons of God or those who are led of the Spirit of God. And he talks about all of earth and all of creation is longing for those to be revealed, to step into this transformative power on the inside of them, but also through the entire world that transforms and unlocks this world from its bondage. It's this beautiful package of, of Scripture that 
it's really kind of been twisted to be honest. Um, but he's, he's articulating like, hey, I, I realize that in my own flesh, there's things that are triggered in me that want to go the opposite direction. There's this war that's happening in me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the reality is, this doesn't mean I'm condemned because boom, there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. It means that I can actually look and realize that, hey, some of this I've inherited from a father that's not really my dad. And some of it's actually to, from my father. And so that's why when he's writing these other things, like we've talked about at 2 Corinthians 10, 5, where he's like, we take every thought captive and make it submit to Jesus Christ, this person, this one from whom our lineage truly draws. And he's, and he's, he's being very gentle and simple, and I think Romans has been weaponized by the religious. But he's saying, it's like, hey, it's, don't condemn yourself for not being where you're at but learn to be present enough to, to take thoughts captive, to actually don't go into a place of condemnation and understand God is trying to lead me by His Spirit into deliverance from all these old triggers and all these whole old things. And He has the healing for my heart. It lies in relationship with Him. I am not condemned. I am not separate from Him. I never really was, Colossians 1, 19, 20, 21. And it's like the reality is we can walk this life out knowing Him constantly having this mind renewed till we step into higher and higher levels of freedom. And that's the plan of the king. That's the plan of this whole walk. You know what I mean? Is learning to step out of that old lineage and step into the new lineage. It's funny. We were talking about this the other night. It was October of, well, actually it was 2022. So it wasn't even, I say that book was big for us last year. Um, but it was in October of 2022. And I was writing a bunch, right? You know what I'm saying? And kind of putting stuff together, potentially book uh, material, right? And, and so I have, some, I have a lot of stuff written, obviously in context and content, you know, a lot of the stuff that we speak about here all the time. But it, it's, it's hard, you know what I mean? Especially if you're going to do a writing that's like theologically sound that you know people are going to attack and try to pick apart, but you're speaking this message, but it has to do with all this wholeness and revelation and and this other stuff. And I was talking to Nicole about it. We were sitting in our living room at the, um, our house that we lived in. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I want to write this. It's, it's hard to put together. He's like, I, I made a joke. As in, does anybody know who Rob Deerdeck is? He's like a professional skateboarder and like, he's like a mo business mogul and all this stuff now. Yeah, I you. But I was just like, you know, I was like, if you knew his story, he says he got hypnotized and that's how he became successful. <laughs> and I told Nicole, I was like, Man, I'm gonna go get hypnotized like Rob Deerdeck just so I can knock this book out and be, you know, be more productive. I was just saying it joking, you know what I mean? And um, it probably wasn't like hypnotism, you know, it's probably like EDMR or something like that. But, anyways, I was talking to her about that, and she was like, "What?" And she's like, "Wait a second, that's real?" And I was like, "Yeah, no, no, actually, like, he's a professional skateboarder that became incredibly successful, had these all these different shows on MTV, like all this, all these businesses. He has all this stuff going on now." Um, he's probably five, 10 years older than me, but it, it's just like his life. It's really incredible and he's hilarious. But she was like, wait, that's how he got, I was like, yeah, that's what he says. He says he was kind of, kind of being a loser and then got hypnotized and like he became really successful. She's like, is that real? And I was like, yeah. And she went and like actually looked it up and it was actually real. Now, of course, I don't know if it was like hypnotized, like we see on like a cartoon or something like that, but he went to this counselor, um, that he's, that he's, he, he um, specializes in helping people get unblocked in their mind, but come to find out, I, he's a believer. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a Christian, and it's not—he's not like super out there. He's not like on TBN or something. You know what I mean? But he's—you know—I think he's a believer by by some. And he uses this Romans seven that I just quoted actually. Now that you mention it, but anyways, she found this book that he wrote it's called The Code of Joy, and so this is you know a couple years ago. And so I was like, well, she ordered it. I said, like, I ordered it on Amazon. I was like, man, I was just joking. You know what I mean? I was just joking about Rob Deerdeck. And uh, she read it. But in that book, I remember he talked about all these limiting self-beliefs that we have that have been ingrained in us since we were little kids that came from the negative, sometimes negative, but often the negative experiences in our life and the way we were brought up. And um, it was like, wow, you know, and I don't mess with psychology stuff too much. Um, but he, he actually talked about Romans 7, the good that I want to do and the evil that I do and, and all these different things. And, and he's counseled pastors and all this stuff. And I was like, this is really interesting. And I realized, man, just even reading that book, what we talk about of taking thoughts captive, what we talk about of having veils removed and all these biblical truths, 
these practical things about our lineage, even that I remember doing that in a vulnerable moment, I guess. I'm just talking, right? It's New Year's Eve. So, but I, I realized how many times in my life all these memories started coming up of times that I was really publicly shamed or humiliated since I was little. Real, like really big time. I was like, wow, it's kind of odd that happens to me so, happened to me so many times. And it really shaped the way I would believe or the way I'd be guarded when I would share things or all these things. I was like, wow, that's, wow, that's actually really having a, and just seeing the trail of that by just reading this book and all these memories coming back up to me without even digging or anything else instantly started to give me freedom and realize like I was, I would go through life um, and that fear, which I didn't know was there of either being publicly humiliated or shamed or whatever, or the flip side of that fear, which is, you know, being credited for things I didn't have anything to do with, wrongly accredited. Also the flip side of being, my credit would being stolen. People would steal intellectually my, you know, stuff that I experienced or taught or whatever. And it was like, I experienced that stuff so much that it was, that it was affecting my life. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is, this is a lot of the, a lot of the same stuff that has happened to me over the years. And I thought, man, like, there's so much truth to the scriptures that when we actually look at them and we're, we're mindful and we look back at our life and we ask ourselves the simple questions like, what am I living for? What, is there anything mo- motivating me? Is there anything driving me? Is there a fear in my life? When you do an honest assessment, you realize how much we're driven versus being led of the spirit of the Lord, right? And you look at all these things that the, that the Bible talks about of this wholeness and healing that we're called to walk in. And sometimes we run into these walls, almost like, you know what the old saying is like going around the mountain. I keep going around the mountain, the same, the same route. I don't even, I'm not saying that the saying, right? So of course you have never heard it, but you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, bumping into the same roadblock, a lot of it, the roadblock is between the ears. And the, the Lord wants to do business within our own hearts to actually show us his path and show us like, hey, don't be driven by that thing. Rest in, rest in who you truly are. Stay in the pocket of identity in me and knowing me. And you'll, you'll sail right through that, through that zone. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's everything we, we talk about. This, if I had a theme even for the year, which it's always going to come back to behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. But if I had a theme for this year, for our household, and it's something that we've talked about all year, um, but even going forward, it's the, the phrase that I thought was having wholeness in all of our spheres, having wholeness in, in our heart completely, having wholeness in every aspect of our life, having wholeness in our relationships. You know what I'm saying? Not, not being led of wound. Not, not, not maintaining a place of hurt or confusion or whatever it is. Stepping into the healing and provision that the Lord has given us to walk in. You know, stepping into the, the rest, which is our true identity in Him. You feel me? And what that actually looks like. It's those verses that 1 Peter 2.24 says that Jesus Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree which is another word for the cross, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness and by whose stripes you were healed. And he quotes Isaiah 53, where it says by his stripes, we were healed. But Peter takes it in 1 Peter 2.24 and he individualizes it. It's like Jesus, it's like understand what he did. It wasn't like, yeah, you're going to get to heaven when you, when you die if you say this prayer or, you know what I mean? It, it has nothing to do with that, really. What, what the reality is, it's about inheritance and stepping into your true identity of your inheritance. Because your inheritance is a person. And I probably will talk more about it next week because I think I've been a little long. But it's just like our inheritance is actually a person. And he is the one and he is the way. And... Um, this reality that he bore our sins in his body and that we have died to sin. And what Romans 8 is talking about, there's no longer condemnation. It's like, we think of sin as doing naughty things, right? Which it can be this. But it's like, the sin which came into the world, the, the darkness which came into the world through the fall in Eden, it's like, he took all of that darkness that came in through sin, he took it in his own body on that tree on that cross. 
And this, our family tree was the tree of life, and it's him. Him on the cross. That is the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, like Steve was saying, is the rule book of what is good and what is evil. It is this power that we wanted to be able to judge people. So we can judge for ourselves who's good and who's evil. And if we're good and who's evil. And it's poisonous, right? Man didn't know that. God told him, he's like, hey, if you eat that, you're surely going to die. It brings death. And it did. It brings every single dark thing into the world, of which man was the gate, gatekeeper of. And so all the darkness and all that death and all the sickness and all the negativity and all the confusion of where we were where we were once in our family tree, seeing him as he is, being as he is in the earth, being his imagers, we stepped out of this and started being something else, doing something to get something that we already had. Eat this fruit, then you'll be like God. Like, I'm already like God, I'm creating his image, but they didn't catch that, so they ended up eating it and getting all messed up. But now Peter is quoting Isaiah um, 53, and he's saying, Jesus bore our sins in his own body. In other words, Everything in that lineage, in that dark lineage that you stepped into of your grandfather Adam that he stepped into wrongly, which was coming to you, that was coming to you as an inheritance, as your person, he took into his own body. The tree of life swallowed it all. He, he I don't want to say injected it, uh, extracted it all. You know, he pulled it into himself. He pulled it into his being. And now, just as it was in the garden, it's our free will if we were going to partake of his tree or not. But he took all of it so that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. In other words, mankind, that Galatians 2.20, like, we've been crucified in him. It's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And it's by the faithfulness of the Son of God. That's the real translation of Galatians 2. By his faithfulness, we now live. Like, it's, it's something different. The life I now live, I live by His faithfulness. It's something I'm alive in Him because I died in Him. And, and Peter's saying, like, you actually died to that old nature. You actually died to that old stuff. You actually died to all that old inheritance. And by His stripes, you've been made whole. In other words, there is provision for you to walk in the complete wholeness of heart, of physical body, of mind, to be completely free from the world systems. I believe the pharmaceutical system. It's like, I've not, as Paul said, feel like I fully laid hold of it, but what I do is I press on to this calling, to this high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Like there's something of abiding in Jesus, which means to step back into your family tree that we don't do by going on 40-day fast and Shundai Hyundai as much as we can and beating our head against the wall. We do by actually knowing Him simply and walking in obedience to all things. And it's not only on a day-by-day -day basis, it's on a thought-by-thought -thought basis. By being mindful and being present in what He's doing in us. By understanding the path of the Good Shepherd and seeing, this is what you've added to me. These are the lessons that I learned this year. Hey, there was times when I tried to work this out in my own strength, and man, did I get burnt out and exhausted. That happened to me in March or April or, you know, I'm giving just examples. I'm not saying this, but, um, you know, or, or there's a times when I was really frustrated and angry and I realized I need to let go of control. Or there was some times, man, when I, when I really learned to trust you and, man, I felt like my life, my burden was easy and light in you and I was flying above these clouds. You know what I'm saying? We look back at the processes of our life in a mindful way and we start to learn to take thoughts captive to ask why when things come up in the heart to look for wholeness in all of our spheres, to look where, to accurately assess where we are in our relationship, in our devotion to knowing Him, in the inflammation that's in our relationships in, in life. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times, you know, we can have all the air quotes, revelation and knowledge of the Bible that we want, but if our life is a mess in all of our relationships, then we're probably not, we're probably missing something. You know what I mean? The, the problem might not be everyone else. It might be us. You know? I had a guy... I, we, there's this guy at the studio that I used to train. We called him Gay Scott, but I mean, maybe I'll leave that off the podcast. But he, he was proud of the fact, so it wasn't a mean thing to him. And, uh, you know, he was so cool. He was an architect, man. 
and he was one of the most handsome dudes in the world, like to me. Like he looked like Sean Connery for the older folks that know who that is. He was so handsome. Looked like the, the original James Bond, you know? Yeah, I see a couple people nod, and a couple of y'all know who that is. But Scott was, I mean, he was so handsome. And, and, um, but he was this architect to all these famous people and stuff. And, and, and I'd even been in some of his houses randomly in Orlando from some of the people he built houses for. And it was just really, he was, he was a funny, funny dude. And I remember him telling me, he's like, Daniel, he's like, I've been married five times, two women and three men. And finally, my mom sat me down and she said, Scott, I think the problem is you. <laughs> and I remember that, Scott telling me that. And I was like, oh, gosh, that's hilarious. You know, we used to think he was so funny. Um, but he was, he was like, what's wrong with all these people? And it's like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I got some issues, you know what I mean? But was, he was funny. Dude. He'd tell me stories about Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. I mean, this dude was like... Anyways, might need to delete this off the podcast, you know. Anyhow, but he was, so, he was such a cool guy. Um, but yeah, okay, so why was I saying that, you know? I had layered coffee this morning. Layered? Ever seen that? It's got mushroom. Maybe that's why. I mean, blame it on that, you know? I don't know. Um, but yeah, sometimes we, we look at our... A, a good barometer in our life is our relationships, man. You know what I'm saying? And if every single person we're in a relationship has major problems... Maybe it's like old Scott said that his mom told him, hey, maybe, hey, maybe, the, <laughs> maybe there's something I need to maybe look at, you know? All right, Happy New Year. So, but that's just one of those things. It's like there's something about wholeness of heart that our life, that blessing of Abraham, which I think we'll talk about him in the new year more and more, but it's like we're called to be a blessing to all of the earth. Amen. Our life is called to be a blessing to other people. Like, other people's lives should be enhanced by ours. You know what I mean? We should point them to who they truly are. And not in a condemning way. Like, oh boy, you're not doing what... You know, it's like, in a way that's inspiring. I recognize you. I see you. I know who you truly are. And it awakens people up, you know? For the greatness of which they've been cut. Of which they've been manifested. And there's something about it, you know? We can step into all the giftings of the Spirit of 1 Corinthians 12, all the revelation of the Bible, all these different things. But if we don't have love, bing, it's like a gong. It's annoying, you know. But if we do have love, it will enhance everyone. Does that come from being sharp in your gifting and sharp in the Word? Maybe a fraction of it does. But what it really comes from is being whole in our heart. Because when we're whole, it will come natural to us. He couldn't help but be a blessing everywhere he went, Jesus. He could not help but be good, even when he was trying to keep his name hidden. You know, Because he was trying to get to the point where he was crucified. He was trying to lay his down, life down and save the whole thing and trying to keep it. He was always telling people, don't tell people this. Don't tell people I do this. It's like, well, dude, if you're going to heal somebody who's blind, they're gonna, people are going to find out. You know what I mean? But he would do it and he'd say, like, don't go telling all this stuff. Because he was trying to keep a low profile to finish the race. You know? It's raising the dead people. We show up at a dang funeral and raise a kid off, off the gurney, off, the, off his deathbed. You know, he just, he could not help it. I think that's why he cried when he raised Lazarus up. He was going to do it. He had to do it. Then he saw all those people around him. He was like, dang, there ain't going to be no going back from this. this is, we're going home pretty soon. You know what I mean? Like, dang, this is crazy. This is heavy. Lazarus, come on forth. You know, we are called to raise the dead. We are called to raise the dead. We are called to raise the dead. We have to raise the dead. There's people living dead. There's also people that are going to die that aren't supposed to be dead. We're supposed to raise it. We're called to raise the dead. We're called, called to speak life to people who are living a dead life. You know? But we've got to emanate that or else our voice is a gong. We've got to be stepping in that wholeness. We've got to be abiding in the life. Jesus is our life. But Jesus actually is life. This We'll do all this next week, but it's like His life is the light of men. The lights are on because of Him. 
the lights of, our, of, of mine. Like, you know that song? I don't like it at all. It's your breath in my lungs. You've heard that song? It's true, though. It's, it's his life that sustains every bit of life that's on this planet. It's his life. We are breathing him. People that don't believe in him are breathing him right now. How dare they? They're his kids. He loves them too, you know. And, and we can all enter into knowing him and walking with him. There's nothing more exhilarating than hearing him and talking to him, but actually hearing him talk back. There's nothing more exhilarating than that and getting on his path because it's hopeful. It's, in, it's inspiring, dude. It is, it is wonderful. Yeah. And it brings the fruit of his life brings life into your own heart. Wholeness into the dead places. Healing into the wound. To where we step into who we really are. All of creation is longing for it and, and groaning for it. It's true. It's really true. So I'll close with that. I think the questions, maybe for the new year, a good assignment maybe. And you know, for those who listen to this, I mean, it doesn't come out usually till Monday, so it'll be the first, but you know, sometimes that self-reflection is like, what's driving? What's driving me? Where is the shepherd leading me? You know, what are the things which he has added to me in this year of following with him? What are the things that I've learned in this year of following him? Is there still process that I'm in with him? Am I still in a training or in a process of really stepping into wholeness or healing or a, a new understanding or walking something out in faith or following through on what he's given me? Sometimes the most important thing about seeing where you're going on a map is actually being able to locate where you're at. Otherwise the whole, otherwise the whole thing is in French. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. That's what that Analogy means, yeah, we got a couple of giggles out of that, you know. <laughs> yeah, wee wee, there you go, brother. Dang, big country down there. Wait. Whoa, what is that on your hand, girl? That thing is bright. It's pretty new. I'm pretty sure she might have just got that last night, dude. Oh, wee. How exciting is that? All right. Yes, I. All right, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this year of of uh, 2023 and for 2024 and all the goodness that you have prepared for us all and the plans and purposes that you have for us lord i ask that your voice um lead us into all truth that your spirit lead us into all truth lord that there would even be that stirring of inspiration of what it means to communicate with you the simple relational connection that you desire to have with all of your sons and daughters to lead us in this life that we're actually not alone that our true dad wants to walk us through this life and that we would bear great and wonderful fruit so that he would be glorified. And Jesus, that you said that. So we thank you for everything that's to come and everything that, that you've done in us this year and are doing. 